welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Uh, boys, we're a little a little tired today, man. I can hear it in all of our voices. So uh, hopefully, um, hopefully, hearing about our sponsors, Pipe, will just uh, elevate the mood in the room and remind us of the big business enterprise that uh, that the three of us are are blessed to be a part of. Well, nothing is uh, more energizing than commerce. So absolutely, absolutely, buying and selling, man. It's the heartbeat of this program, and it's uh, it's it's the heartbeat of our souls. So, uh, Pipe, let's do some uh, let's do some buying and selling. Tell us about Missionalware. Yes. So Mission Aware is our sponsor. Listeners are going to be quite familiar with them, but they have a new product line they want to highlight. And I'm looking at it right now and it's it's very cool. I, I, I want these things. And so they said they were going to send me some and I'm, I'm hoping that they will send Dude, us some. Dude, that's been the rumor, man. That's yeah. been the rumor for a long, long time. So right. it's... But they are uh, – they're moleskin journals. So there you go. <laughs> Hipsters everywhere rejoice. Although, Dude, I'm looking these things up and right they are, now. They are uh, – they're called – they're laser etched. And so you get like a, a black journal and it has sort of like the – it's just the sort of the gray laser etched uh, look on the front. But they have ones with, with John Calvin and Charles Spurgeon and then they have one with the five solas, which is which is pretty cool design. And then they have one with a Calvin quote, the, uh, the human heart is an idol factory and it's a heart – factory with smoke coming out of it so sort of a cool uh it sounds worse when i say it that sounds really really creepy no just keep going it's pretty cool no so so they uh they have these they really want me to highlight these they are also working on some additional designs so they're going to have more of these so along with all of the cool mugs and the pint glasses and the shirts and the sweatshirts and the wall hangings and all those things they now have these so if you're a moleskin person which i am i use moleskins Every day for for all sorts of things. Uh, these are these are pretty sweet ones. If you use the code Happy Rant at checkout, they are putting together brand new Happy Rant stickers. So with our new logo, uh, most of you listeners will have noticed that we no longer have the guy screaming into a. Uh, into a megaphone because he was a little bit frightening. I think kind of like the kind of like the Iowa Hawkeye mascot. So we needed to get rid of aggressive. That guy. Yeah, he was yeah. he was a bit aggressive. Made kind of put people on their heels. I think that was our, that was our old nature. You yeah, know, we've been redeemed. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so now we just it, there's a megaphone, but it, it's it's a bit more of a passive megaphone. So we don't have to scream through it. It's a little bit less aggressive. Um, well, we're not saying what you should do with the megaphone one right. way or the other. That's the thing. You Norton, can yes. do with it what you will. And, uh, and and should we do anything aggressive, consider this your trigger warning. Um, but you, we, you will be able to get one of those stickers with your order. So use Happy Rant. You'll get one of those stickers with your order. So check out some of these journals. Order them. They're, they're similar pricing to what you'd get if you bought the same thing at like Barnes & Noble, except they're way cooler designs. So go ahead and get them here. Use the code Happy Rant. Get a sweet sticker. Put it on your, your uh, MacBook Pro, which is what I do, or uh, or your car, wherever you want to uh, to. To show off your amazing loyalty to the Happy Rant. Wow, boys! When I when I get a Happy Rant journal, a moleskin journal from uh, from these guys, finally, it'll be the first moleskin journal I've ever had, man. I'm excited. Wow. What do you uh, when do you do you do ever? Uh, you don't strike me as the digital type. Uh, in no, terms I'm of, not, man. No, I just uh, use whatever's handy to write on. So okay. I usually use like legal pads, to be honest, like the okay. big yellow legal pads. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, there's there's a uh, the guy named Stephen Pressfield did this whole book on writing, uh, and he's he's a legal pad guy. His he okay. write, he talks all about how you should be able to outline a novel in one page and wow. things like that. But it's all legal pad. I'm a moleskin guy because I don't really know why. I just I feel more creative when I use a moleskin. So it's I've I've completely bought into the lie, and I'm I'm addicted to the drug. Dude, wow. maybe I will feel more creative too. Big R, are you a moleskin guy? 
No, I'm not. I don't really. I don't. I'm not really a. Uh, I'm not really a writer. So mm, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. You just you just talk your books. Yeah, I do. I well, no, I don't do like outlines and things. So I just I just start writing. So got yeah. you. And you you That's could probably you would probably know that when you when you read my uh, collective works. <laughs> not a, not a lot of rhyme or reason going on here, Ronnie. <laughs> Maybe you should start this thing we like to call uh, outlining and journaling. You know, all four of you who have read the book that we've done together. So. You know what, Big T? That's uh, you know that's that's actually really uh, probably true. Yeah. Well, yeah. We've, yeah. We've heard from at least four listeners who have bought your book, so there's got to be at least somebody else out there, like a cousin or a sister or something. Dude, even my even my cousins are tired of my books. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I feel glum. Well, I feel when, sad. Well, you're working on one. Well, aren't you working on one on long snapping right now? Yeah, yeah, it comes out in December. Yeah, so, so I mean, nice. that's, that, that'll, that'll, that'll revive your career. I mean, there that's, it is. That right there. Huge. Is, we're done. We're done. Huge Rachel the Held Evans. We don't even need to do this anymore. <laughs> Boys, I'm glum in part because of uh, of this first topic, man. A couple of weeks ago, uh, in a fit of honesty, uh, near the end of a program, I raised the fascinating question, uh, are we jerks? And it, it was awkward, awkwardly received. <laughs> the question hung in the air for a moment. Barnabas was I on? Was I on it that week? I don't, dude. I don't know if I remember that, man. Was I you, on it? That that might have been during your uh, your various travels, Big R. My hiatus, dude. And it might have been just like a a, a Barnabas and Big T led uh, avalanche of sarcasm in your in your uh, absence. So right. that that All may right. have been what what carry motive. on. Um, but yeah, you guys. So so I'll I'll just start, I guess. So the, I guess the more I think about this, the the more I think, I don't know that so much we're jerks. I just think that we must be raging egomaniacs, being that we're all involved in like multiple podcasts. So for multiple hours a week, we sit and like bloviate at each other and other people, uh, assuming that people want to continue listening to us, man. It's fascinating. I, I spent more than a minute thinking about that today. Like how how big must our egos be? Um, I don't know. What What do you guys think? Are we jerks? Are we egomaniacs? What what's what's going on here? Well, I'm certain we can be jerks. Uh, yeah, I, oh, I yeah. just I had a conversation yesterday with a former college classmate of mine, and uh, we both agreed that I was a complete jackass in college. And I mean, dude, really? So you're at that point in your friendship where you can be like, oh, remember what a what a douche you were? Well, no, I said it almost apologetically, and instead of being uh, like, oh no, the person was like. Oh yeah, he was like, absolutely. Finally, yeah. somebody said it. Yeah, they're like, know? "Oh, I'm so glad you finally recognized it." And and if I was that way in college, I mean, maturity happens, but rarely does somebody go from being a, a complete much. and total jerk to being a, a complete and total non-jerk. So, I'm certain that I'm a jerk sometimes. Uh, I also think that sometimes the same tendencies that make one a jerk are part of the things that make somebody entertaining or or give somebody a fresh opinion because you say things that other people only think or you say things that other people are afraid to say and uh and i, I if if this podcast is interesting it's got to be because we're willing to do something like that sometimes right i would think so i hope so pipe what kind of if i can push you on this a little bit what what kind of a jackass were you in college <laughs> <laughs> are there different brands? Um, there, though, there are so many different yeah. brands of college uh, jackets. I, I want to know which one you were. I was the. I don't really care what anybody thinks, and I'm certain I'm always right. Like oh, I, yeah. I grew up. I mean, so 
I had this conversation with my 10-year-old recently. Uh, mm-hmm. She is convinced that she is smarter than one of her teachers at school. She didn't say it in oh, as many words, but nice. she was she was mad that the teacher told her to do something that she just knew was dumb, except, yeah. it, was, except it was how to do an assignment better. And I realized in that moment I'm raising me uh, mm. because at about 10 is when I also became convinced I was smarter than all my teachers. And I uh-huh. carried that into college, and that's when some of that was dusted off me. You know, the the uh, the sanding down began. But it took yeah. a few years after college to realize that there are a lot of people in the world who are way smarter, and I don't know everything. But I was that guy. So, like, I wasn't – I didn't think I was exceptionally cool. I was never sort of a jock or anything. I just – I was convinced. I was sort of the disaffected, I think I'm smarter than everybody guy, and I would argue about anything yeah, just, dude, just a, for the sake of arguing. That's a total college jackass type, man. I appreciate you sussing that out for us. Big R, what, what do you make of this question? I don't know, man. Uh, you know, here's the thing. So I think I think what Pipe said is 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 on point. Like we, we have to be willing to offend if it's if there's going to be any any kind of humor laced in, in the podcast, you know, if, if we're not if we're not willing to offend, then we're not going to have any humor, and we're, we're gonna we're gonna go down the reform pubcast route. You know what I mean? And so, um, dude, always think, picking at that scab. Big guy. I'm not. I'm not trying to <laughs> at all. You're, you're, Ronnie, you're uh, such you a wanna, jerk. Dude, no, I'm, I'm gonna be, just trying. <laughs> just I'm, gonna try, I'm trying to be honest right now. Fellas. I'm gonna be driving my car one night in Las Vegas, and I'm gonna get shot by one of those reform pubcast guys in the street. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't even know Gun who down. they are, and I, I I actually love their program. And I actually, you know, one of our one one of the women in our congregation is like a reform pub like devotee, and so like, dude, I'm I'm all for it. So I love Shady, it. So she can't stand me. I want to. I want to. Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I want to push you on that point. You say you love their program. Have you actually ever listened to their program? Yeah, I actually have. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you listen good, on a regular basis? No, I don't listen on a regular basis. I don't listen to anything on a regular – I don't listen to podcasts on a regular basis. So that's not my, that's not my jam. But um, what, I, what I meant, what I was going to say though is that I think if we can avoid being cynical, cynicism is jerky. And I think when you, I think when 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 humor and all of that and so even sarcasm, I think when it I think when it sort of jumps the shark into cynicism, I think that's when the opportunity for jerkiness comes out. So if we can keep if we can keep the cynicism at bay and just kind of take sort of a, an observational kind of approach, then, then I think we can be funny and there can be sarcasm. And what that shows is that we're not taking ourselves too seriously. Because to me, that's what I can't stand. I don't ever want anyone to think that I take myself that seriously because I, because I, because I, I don't. I don't think you guys do. I, well, I mean, do you? I sure hope I not. Know. I, I. Here's the thing: when you say when you have strong opinions or you say something strongly, like I often do, people think you take yourself seriously because because you're stating something as if it's a definitive. When in reality, you just like that's just a way that I express. And I would love it if somebody pushed back and told me why I was an idiot in 17 ways. Like that would amuse me greatly if somebody was like, here's why your opinion is completely wrong. And, well, I'll uh, just start doing that then on the podcast. Awesome. I love, I mean, and not for the sake of argument, but because to me, that's just good interaction. If I say something and you think I'm an idiot, you tell me why I'm an idiot and we go back and forth. But there's a lot of people who if you say something definitively like, oh, that's that's a ridiculous way to think about things, they just kind of shrink up and they're like, oh, he hurt my feelings. And uh, I don't mean to be a jerk in that way and I certainly don't take my own opinion that seriously. It's just it's just a style, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Boys, <laughs> thanks, Ronnie. 
Do you? Yeah, yeah that's good. scintillating good. radium. <laughs> scintillating. Yeah, I know, man. I, guys, I don't know. Is this our last podcast? I mean, is this the way it's going to go down? Well, you, you got you got your new careers? gig with Trogs, man. I don't for, know. for a few more weeks. Yeah, yeah. For, By for the way, I mean, Big T, you're somebody, talking about my new gig with Trogs, like oh, denying dude. about your your old gig with Bartels. I mean, what do we? I mean, that I just a, don't baby, really that understand. That was a pre-existing gig. You know, I just don't even knows. know where we're going with this. I mean, I don't even know what the I don't even know what the sitch is with all of that. Okay, man. so here's, here's a question, Ronnie. Having Baby, not- are you coming after me because Bridezilla is the last book we're ever going to write together? Is that is that what's Baby, going I on? Thought, like, you feel I, I, a freedom? I, I thought Parkourist was going to be the last book we ever wrote together, man. When believers don't believe, which is actually called Finding God in the Dark, but. Uh, Hey, I, T, can I, I ask you a question? Does that mean that there's a possibility that you and I are going to write a third book together? Oh, baby. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I feel like publishers are clamoring for pairs of writers who haven't sold very well. You know, but you tell, think- tell our listeners right now how many how many offers we, we turned down in the last, I don't know, just two weeks. There's a just there's a number just out of the blue. Dude, it's been unbelievable. I mean, our offices are fielding offers constantly. They don't even always share them with us. So, I mean, this is this is all part of doing business. But uh, like we I, have handlers. We have handlers that just turn down the offers. They know that we would never do. We would never. We would never sign that. Contract. You know what? Our handlers have handlers. That's what I'm saying. Um, yeah. Baby, I, I have to admit, I listened to the first like 30 seconds of your podcast with Trogues just because I wanted to see what the intro music was. Well, you've listened to more of it than I have then. I mean, and it, and me it, it's back to like Trogues's sort of obsession with the blues guitar. Like there's a little like kind of bluesy guitar riff. Is there is really kind of, like a, yeah. like a slide? Well, I'm out then. I mean, I told him no slide guitar. I mean, that's literally against everything I, I, I love and live for and believe in. So we're, I mean, I guess we're done. We had that. Just we're wait. done Trogues. Trogues, if you're listening, we're done. Dude, just wait two weeks until he quits the podcast. If, if he's a, listening. Trogues is, you know what Trogues has done in the last week? He has sent me four or five suggestions for things we should talk about on this podcast that we've already talked about on this podcast. That's how much he listens to the happy rant. We can say anything we want, and he's he won't. Dude, are you serious? He has that kind of relationship where he sends you show ideas still? He's like, oh, you, should, you guys should totally riff about this on the happy rant. I'm like, we did four months ago, like right after you retired. <laughs> I guess it's hard to listen when you're in a rubber room, but still, it's uh, it. <laughs> no, so we we had one listener who uh, who who asked. So is uh, what's what's your podcast called, Ronnie? Is it deconstructed? Yeah. Okay. It's good. Tro- I mean, it's good. Tro- you know the name. That's good. Um, uh, he said, "Is deconstructed just like the Happy Rant Junior? Because it just sounds like the same podcast, except sure. <laughs> except over there." And uh, I didn't have a good answer because I I have not listened to it so um dude i always imagined in my mind's eye trogues like listening to every minute of our podcast are even you, dis- after are you disappointed that he doesn't i'm a little disappointed because i figured he would just waiting for mentions of himself you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> well man i mean I, if he would only listen to today's uh podcast it'd be a doozy for him today then man no, I it mean, would it's, be a doozy. it's like oh, the trogues it's like the trogues special ep with him not on it ego inflation know? to the max well, he should listen to it then. Let's deconstruct Trogues right now for like a couple of minutes. Well, no, should that's we the that? gig that you guys do over on the other one. We don't deconstruct things. We make fun of things. Oh, okay. I, I don't know I what the difference, difference is, but, but yeah. yeah I just, it's, one, one sounds more uh, intellectual and the other yeah, gets, de- deconstructing, gets jerks. Yeah, deconstructing suggests some kind of like academic exercise. and We have we, we have actually no just talk more entertainment. We're, no we're such focusing pretense. on mu- music and movies. That's all we do. That's all, that's all it's supposed to be. So, Actually, I, mean, yeah. I, I do have a somewhat serious uh, 
topic for us to transition into, though, and this is something that, has, uh, that has dominated some some national media and has crossed over uh, out of the world of sports and into just the world of of culture at large and the and the greater discussion. Uh, and that is uh, a quarterback named Colin Kaepernick uh, plays for San Francisco. He's currently their backup. Uh, although he had a, a successful run as a starter a few years ago, uh, played in a Super Bowl. And Kaepernick, a few weeks ago in the preseason, refused to stand uh, for the national anthem. Uh, as you can well imagine, this touched off uh, all kinds of controversy and all kinds of response uh, in real life and in social media, uh, such that now college uh, college athletes, high school athletes are uh, are doing the same thing. And my question to you guys is, uh, what do we make of this? Uh, there are people who are pounding the table saying that he needs to stand during the national anthem. There are people that are saying um, it's great what he's doing. What uh, what do you guys make of it? Hmm. Well, let, let me let me follow up with a question. So the the major you know criticism of him is that this is disrespectful to all of those who are fighting or have fought and sacrificed for our country, and uh, that seems to be the sticking point because his. His uh, protest is against the way – sort of the history of the treatment of black people in America, specifically police violence. I realize that's also an issue that some people will debate um, in terms of whether or not that's a, a real thing. Um, but is, is, it, is it actually disrespectful to the military, to the people who are fighting for our country to not stand for the national anthem? It- Dude, can I ask can I ask another question in response to your question? Yes, and then I'll and then I'll ask a question to respond Perfect. to your question to Pipe's question. And I feel sheepish, like not knowing this to be honest. Like when did when did the playing of the national anthem really become like an indelible part of every football game? Well, I can tell you when the NFL began. It it, it was not until two thousand and nine that NFL players began standing for the national anthem. Prior to that, they would still be in the locker room. And then they, yeah, would come right. out, they would come out after the national anthem. So it was not a thing that was expected of players until uh, seven years ago. So I don't, I don't know when the national anthem became like a thing that happened in sports, but that's when it became a thing that was kind of expected of players in the NFL. Dude, my yeah. sense is that the NFL's response to this will be to like send the kids back into the locker room for the <laughs> national anthem, which is but probably a good response because it probably is. It's, yeah. So here's, I mean, to to answer my own question, or at least at least open up an opinion on it. <clears throat> yeah. To me, if a flag is not, a flag is not really a thing. It's, it's a symbol of a lot of different things. It's a symbol of a lot of different things that a country stands for both good and bad to say that it's disrespectful to people who are in the military to not stand for the national anthem is to take a really narrow view of what the, the flag stands for. And in fact, there, there have been, a large number of military veterans who have supported Kaepernick saying we fight for the freedom and the rights of people in this country. So the right to protest being one of those, the right to free speech, you know, sort of constitutional rights. And uh, and so they would say he's he, he's right to be able to do this and we fight for those freedoms. We don't fight for the, you know, the stars and bars. And then there's others who call him all sorts of heinous names because they, they take the opposite attack. I tend to think that <clears throat> uh, expecting somebody to stand for the national anthem just myopically like you 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 are required to do this i mean that's the beginning of a totalitarian mindset and that's that's pretty bogus yeah i agree man i tend to be more of the persuasion that you know this is 
exactly the kind of freedom that uh, that people fought for, and it's why we celebrate uh, America when we do celebrate America. Um, that being said, I also I also acknowledge that um, at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to be very effective. I mean, you know, it, it would, and I guess it's started conversations like these, and it's made us think about how how race works in sports and uh, and all that. So I, I think there maybe maybe there is some good that's coming of it. Um, but yeah, my 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 feeling, I guess, I guess the question I went to right away was, you know, well, why why did we start standing for the national anthem anyway, and where did that start, and and what, you know, why 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 is that kind of hand in hand with with the football experience? When you double that down with like in baseball, you're not expected to stand and do the same thing for God bless America in the seventh inning, and that started after nine eleven, and yeah. uh, and that to me is just like it drives me nuts, and I realize mm. some patriotic listener, if we have any of those, is gonna. Is going to hate me for this, Destruct. but it just yeah, yeah. it 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 seems like a strange religious right to me. Not a thing where we're actually honoring America or whatever, but it's it's just sort of this forced thing, and it it does not give people the freedoms that America stands for. There's another interesting tidbit on this, and that is: Did you know that the Star Spangled Banner has a verse that we never sing that actually revels in the capture and killing of slaves? <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, that's crazy. So I, mm. I read I read an article and, and it, it laid out all the verses because the song was written uh, in a in a about a battle between the United States and Britain and Britain had encouraged slaves to escape to their side and fight against their captors. So one of the verses written by an American was about the recapture and the and or the killing of slaves. So the song actually glories in the harming of black people in its original form. Now we don't sing that verse, but like this is this is part of the stickiness of it is that's part of our history. And that's then yeah. and, and aspects of that history continue in terms of how injustices that happen against African Americans. And so it I certainly think he has the right to to yeah. protest and whether or not you agree with his exact stance, and I would tend to agree with it more than many would, uh, you, I still think that if you say you have no right to protest, you're kind of undermining what the flag actually stands for. Well, and yeah. I'll say this. I'm glad it was nonviolent. Yes. You know, um, I mean, it seems like if you're if you're going to demonstrate, if you're going to protest, that seems like a pretty a, a pretty great way to do it. And um He's been you know, so. very he's been very consistent and very pointed in his explanation as well. So this isn't mm-hmm. sort of some like reactive, not thought out thing. Like he's been very right. consistent and very much this is these are the reasons, this is why I'm doing it. I'm not demanding that anybody else do it. I'm not saying nobody should stand up for it. And right. uh and so he he has not been divisive in his in his like in his manner about it. And and so I think again, I to your point, I think that's that's to to be commended. Yeah, for sure. Big R, let me let me lay a scenario in front of you. Um and I, I want the audience to to go here in all of our minds. Okay. Let's imagine uh let's imagine that Big R uh plays for the San Francisco 49ers. All right. So Pipe, what posi- what position for Big R? Uh punter. He's a punter. Uh he wears a single bar face mask. Yes. A, a vintage, low-hanging single-bar face mask. Um, he wears the tights, the jersey, um, and he's a teammate, a contemporary of Colin Kaepernick. Um, Big R, my question to you is this. If you were Cap's teammate um, on San Francisco's uh, team, would you kneel with him? 
during the national anthem or would you stand with your other teammates? Wow, Big T. That's a good question, man. Yeah. I'm going to give you that one. I really just uh, wanted people to imagine you in the uniform, man, which I'm sure. Because you know I would love to wear – you know I've I've dreamt now for years of wearing one of those single bar helmets. Baby, I know you'd rock the single bar, man. I I love the single bar. I tried to find one of those on on eBay a long time ago. Because those are just fascinating to me, man. They're great. When those guys get pummeled, they just don't need as much protection as the next guy. I love it, you know. It's almost like they don't um, want the protection. You know what I mean? They don't want the protection. Who was was the last guy to wear one of those? Was uh, Was it Gary Anderson? Dude, Gary oh, Anderson wore one that, yeah, Anderson wore one that like, it it, ha- it hung so low it looped like down around his chin. It was like <laughs> yeah. a second chin strap almost. Yeah, it was, like, last, it was like, like, it was like a, it was like a, it was like a handle on a picnic basket. And so he, he <laughs> carried it by the face mask, his helmet yeah. was the picnic basket. It's so true. He could, he could throw a couple sandwiches in a, in a. Yeah. you know, bottle of Coke in there and be good to go. <laughs> but I think, I think the last like real player to wear one was, uh, was Joe Theismann. So the last non-kicker or punter was, uh, was Theismann. Wow. Uh, Washington's quarterback in the, in the mid eighties. Um, nice. It's just crazy, man. He was, he was getting, yeah. Well, to answer, to answer your yeah. cue. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think I would, uh, you know, I think, um, it's weird because there's, Certainly, I you know I'm with you guys. I think you know obviously he has the right to to do what he wants. You know we he has the freedom as being you know a citizen of this country to protest, and you know we we have those types of freedoms. Those types of freedoms are fought for. I'm I'm with all of that. I what I wonder about is just um, you know there's an expectation, right? There's an expectation when the when the national anthem is played to stand to show respect on some level, and. Um, I, what I've noticed is that everybody's talking about sort of the act more than the thought behind it. And so I think when you, you know, again, I'm not even making necessarily a judgment on as much as saying, was that the best way to get his message across? Because I don't hear anybody, to, like even us, we're not even talking about what he's standing up for or not standing up for, I should say. We're talking about the fact that he simply didn't stand and he has the right not to stand. No, and, and nobody remembers the message in any of that. It gets cluttered. It gets obscured because because of the expectation there is to stand and be respectful for the men and what you know whatever you want to whatever you want to add into that is is what we deem respectful you know within within the act of standing during the anthem. But um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's I think there's better ways to go about it. But um, I'm not in his position either. So um, it, you know, it, it's. Uh, so I, I, I don't want to I don't want to put myself in the place of somebody of whom I, I don't know what might be going through his head or his, you know, the history that that sort of, you know, fed into him wanting to do this. And, you know, so maybe that answer is too safe. But I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. It seems like he wants the message to get heard, but nobody's talking about the message. They're who's, just talking about what he didn't do. You know, who's uh, I feel like that. I mean, I feel like that's probably always the case when a minority culture member protests in any way because because the majority culture the we always deflect to the things where we can try to gain what we see as moral high ground so in instead of in instead of asking what are people in ferguson or baltimore or atlanta or whatever city protesting about we say are they protesting in the right way I mean, we had the same conversation then when when people were protesting, and that's that's the prerogative. It's the, the stupid prerogative of the majority culture to deflect away from the issues that are being raised to, to an issue where we can begin to cast judgment. I think that's 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 my perception. Although there were some people who took the Kaepernick's issue really seriously because there were a couple local police departments 
uh, <clears throat> who said like we won't work the we won't work the games anymore. Or we're considering not working the games anymore because we feel uh, that we were disrespected and slighted, which is uh, a pretty asinine response. But <clears throat> I, I because they they seem to be taking that. They, they they seem as petty as uh, as anybody else as opposed to the protect and serve mindset, but but isn't that the case where whenever somebody protests, uh, the protest gets turned into a, it's a grade of how they did it instead of what they're protesting about? Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, almost like true. yeah, it's like you guys like when you get into an argument with somebody and pretty soon like you're not talking about like the object. I don't of like what your tone of voice, about. Ronnie. Yeah, you're talking about the tone of voice and that the, and you, your nose is too big and like you know all that stuff like starts coming into it. It's like we're not even we're not even arguing about the thing anymore. So I mean, in that way, um, you know, maybe maybe these things wrap around to where. Um, you know, this thing, this thing sort of, sort of gets tilted in a direction. Maybe he did want it to get tilted into because then it creates, after all the hype dies down, maybe it creates space for his message to get through. So maybe, maybe he's, maybe he's, do, maybe that's, maybe that's kind of was the mindset behind it. I mean, it's hard to say, you know, I mean, if I feel but- don't Go you ahead. think, too, it comes down to uh, a lot of people just don't want their football and their politics mixing, you know? Well, no uh, doubt. There's no doubt a, about that. Yeah. I mean, we do have a long history of athletes doing political things and, uh, and going they, and back to gener- Muhammad Ali in the 1960s. They're generally really disliked for it in the time. That's right. They're, they're disliked, disliked in the time. What were yeah. the guys? Was it Tommy Smith and uh, the, the guys who John did the, Carlos? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, the guys who did the Olympics. fist on the on yep. the stands. Uh, they they were they were blackballed for it. In fact, the white guy who was Kareem on the stands with them, Jimmy Brown. Yeah. 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 The white guy who was on the metal stand with those guys, he was from Australia. He was basically uh, blacklisted in Australia for for supporting those guys. Uh, and and he didn't raise his fist because he didn't feel like that was his place. There was a whole really fascinating right. story a year or two ago about it. But yeah, I mean, no athlete who who steps out politically, especially on issues of race, because sports are run by white people, uh, right. is ever well received. Now, right. in retrospect, we 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 like them. Jackie Robinson is a hero. Muhammad Ali is a hero. But it took fifty years to call him a hero. Uh, yeah. And and maybe Colin Kaepernick will be seen as a, as a as a footnote in history as as doing something significant. But right now, he's a pariah because yeah, we don't we don't want to rock the apple cart of our comfort and our sports. Dude, three weeks from now, will anybody be talking about this, or will it have blown over? What do you what do you think, Pipe? Um, I think it. Uh, I think it, that completely depends on the national TV coverage because I think I think it could expand because when Denver played in the season opener, uh, they had one guy who kneeled down and the camera was on him for half of the national anthem. Mm. And then during other season opening games, there were players who raised their fist or players who took a knee, and the camera was on them the entire time. And the announcers mm. are mentioning it. Uh, just sort of in a neutral, in passing way, they're not really saying much about it. But if if it continues to expand, it's yeah, it's going to be a thing. And then high school teams are doing it. In fact, there was a there was a high school senior who was suspended by his school for it. Uh, <laughs> now I think they ended up rescinding the suspension. But like these things, yeah, it's I I think it'll continue because I think it's going to continue to expand. I don't like all protests. I. I don't know what the net impact will be. I hope that it, I hope that it tips something in somebody's mind. But I'm afraid that what's going to happen is that, like like Ronnie said, it's just going to deflect to the wrong issues on it. Sure. Well, boys. Speaking of issues, we have one more uh, to discuss briefly before we have to sign off this episode of the Happy Rants. Uh, the issue is this: 
Um, and I'm going to take a backseat to you two gentlemen uh, because I, I feel like you have more expertise on this than I do. Uh, worst worship songs of all time. This this sounds like a listener suggestion, was it, Pi? Uh, I think it came up uh, from a listener. Yeah, because we you know we talked about different music styles and bands and whatnot over the years, but I'm pretty sure, sure this sure. One came from a listener a while back. Nice. So uh, yeah, you guys uh, you guys riff on this, man. Worst worship songs uh, of all oh, time. Dang. And why? Uh, well, I'll I'll go first because there's one that is in my mind that that I think is maybe the creepiest worship song ever, and it's uh, it's in the secret. Okay. Do you remember this one? Super creepy title. I in don't the remember secret, this. In no, the secret, in the quiet I, I, place, in the stillness, you are there, and then the mm. chorus is, "I want to touch you, oh, I want uh, to see your face, uh, and so on." And it uh, it sounds like the uh, the '80s song, "Somebody's Watching Me." Like that's nice. that's the lyrical feel. It is the like it's that's somebody funny. didn't think through that one before it went like quadruple platinum, dude. So it was popular. It, it went oh, yeah. it went when, huge when I was in in high school, maybe junior high and high school. Like it was one that was sung at like every youth everything every camp. I mean, I'm sure it was sung at at, at uh, in church services and stuff all over the place. Our church was less contemporary, but. Yeah, I mean, it was it was enormous for maybe seven, eight years, something like that. Dude, wow. now let me ask you this: Was there ever a time where you can remember like a truly, a truly bad worship song sung at, at John Piper's church, like crappy theology, like one that snuck through the cracks? You know what I mean? Uh there were some crappy worship songs, but they were more crappy, like like just really bad musically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. some of Graham yeah, yeah. Kendrick's stuff from back in the day. Uh, he was, you know, like that. He was like pre WoW worship, post Maranatha worship, like that era. So people who are super yeah. churchy yeah. might know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, but yeah, not. I don't recall any that I was like, what is this heinous pile of, of heresy? Okay. <laughs> Big R, what's your take on this? Bad worship songs, all time, all time bad worship songs. What do you got? Gosh, man, that is such a crazy question because I, man, I spent so many years growing up with a real like bent against worship music in general, you know, yeah. and it wasn't until I became a worship leader a long time ago that I had to like start, you know, liking it. Right. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so, I, man, but I, so I, I think it's, I don't, I don't remember the one cause I came up, you know, in the Calvary Chapel era. So I, I knew a lot of the Maranatha stuff. And when you listen back to it right now, I mean, you know, theologically, it's not that bad. It's, it mainly comes from scripture. You know, you can like dislike it musically, but you know, theologically it was okay. I think the stuff that, I think the stuff that offended me the most was a lot of the nineties, two thousand stuff like just, and again, it wasn't because the words were so bad, but it was the boppiness. Like, Lord, I lift your name on high and blessed be the name of the Lord. Any any song that comes with hand motions needs to, I mean, that should be on the list. Like, yeah, it's just, and again, it's not, again, like Pipe, you would know this. I mean, like, like blessed be the name of the Lord. It's like, it comes from Job. It's not bad theology at all. It's just more of like the exuberance that like mm-hmm. came through with it. And you're just, you're looking at each other going like, here's the problem with this song is like, my mom loves it. And like, I, I, I can't, and I don't. And, and I, it, it's hard for me to even sing because like, I've never been this happy a day in my life. Right. Mm. You know? And yeah, I, again, that's that's a personal thing, right? That's I, I got my own thing going on with that. You know what I mean? Are you guys but, um, are you guys familiar with the site Five Thirty Eight? Uh, nah, I never no. heard of it. So, do you know who Nate Silver is? Have you heard that name? 
I've heard the name. So Nate Silver is it? He's a statistical genius and a total nerd. Who's oh he's, yeah yeah. He's done guy. like statistical projections of the last several presidential elections and things like that, and and does really well. And now he has a site called Five Thirty Eight. I don't know what that stands for. Where it's it's basically statistical looks at everything. They did a statistical breakdown of contemporary Christian music, and it's like there is no sadness in it anywhere. <laughs> it's all happiness. Mm. It's all like upbeat. It's kind of what you were saying, Ronnie. Like I've never been this happy ever in my life. Even when I'm singing about like my depths of despair, I'm like clapping on two and four and and, and jumping around. And uh, it's just so. I mean, and this is they're completely they're they they have no church or Christian affiliations at all. They were just I don't even know. They must have just had somebody who was interested in it and just noticed it. But like you can hear it on the radio. You're you're flipping through the stations. You get to a song. You're like, oh, that's Christian worship music. I can tell because it's obnoxiously happy. And uh, <laughs> just you know keep going until yeah. And I jazz think or I mean I think that's I think generally what he's talking about are songs that have become really popular and they've become radio hits and then they transfer over mainly to big churches, but all churches. Because, I mean, there there is a lot of, like, really dark, deep, minor chorded, you know, confessional kind of worship songs out there. But, you know, you're just not going to hear those on radio. And, you know, uh, you know, Hillsong isn't really responsible for writing a lot of those types. And, well, and, when, uh, when you say you know, worship songs, like, I guess I'm thinking, like, Christian choruses, not like, I mean, what, what are you, I'm not talking about church music in general, because, like, if you go back through hymns and those kinds yeah. of things, like those are those are decidedly different in tone. Well, no, no, no. I'm talking about like there, like there has been a movement of new artists Is it and like bands, songwriter stuff. Yeah, that are just writing like really, really like that kind of that kind of evoke sort of like the, the hymnody of old, where okay. like they're they're dark and they're deep. So you listen to Sandra McCracken, yeah. or you listen to Citizens and Saints, and these are like these are these are people writing like really like deep dark introspective but 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 completely pulled from the psalms you know yeah. they're completely like biblically grounded well, McCracken and they're just album called psalms didn't she like that was one of yeah and you're ones. just you're just probably not going to hear that you're not going to hear any of that stuff yeah. on pop radio you know right. what i mean so it kind of gets largely <laughs> it, it gets largely missed by like churches that are looking to do something that's just big and massive yeah. and anthemic you well, know well but, K, uh, K yeah. love's motto is positive words encouraging music and so uh you, you can't do anything that smacks of real sadness. That that's not well. But then there's but then there's that run. sort of that in between, and you guys would know about this. There's that in between of like when you hear a Getty song, like like in Christ Alone, which is like really great. It's not incredibly like it doesn't sound like incredibly dark, but it's incredibly rich. But it de- definitely pushes against sort of the whole like exuberant yeah. you know worship pop kind of thing that's going on but well here's i don't I, know i think here's a here's a way to tell if this is this is something that my youth pastor being an awesome youth pastor taught me when i was 16 or 17 here's a way to tell if a uh, if a worship song is what is good it's sort of an initial litmus test if you can replace the word jesus with the word baby <laughs> uh yeah. it uh it i bet mean, we could do that on this good, show <laughs> well, you, we, we, you, we say baby a lot is the thing. Well, yeah, but you, but if you replace the word baby with Jesus, it would get really weird. Possibly that's a true. Bit, bit <laughs> that's true. Um, <laughs> well said, Pipe. But no, there's, there was a song called Pipe uh, keeping us keeping us on track. That's right. Got to keep heresy at bay. Uh, 
in that way, we're just like Reformed Pubcast. Um, Absolutely. There was a song Always called- back to <laughs> Always. I'm going to get shot in Vegas because of that. Oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> what, happens when we, what happens when we do our live broadcast next year at TGC right next to Reformed? What's going to happen Maybe we're going to have to wear it's, Kevlar, man. It's going to be like an we're MMA weigh-in. It's you yeah. know we're, we're, it's like nose to nose, ready to uh, throw down, and, uh, and we're gonna do like it's gonna be like a it's gonna be like a, a cast off, like a podcast off, you know, back and forth. <laughs> That's right. Uh, there, there was a song uh, around the same time as the one I mentioned earlier called "Every Move I Make," and the song went something like "Every move I make, it, I make in you, you make me move, Jesus." Mm-hmm. Except. Uh, you can replace it with baby, and it just becomes like this boppy love song. So every move I make, I'm making you. You make me move, baby. Every breath I take, I breathe for you. Like this is the – this is, and then the chorus is la, 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 la. Like just that was it. And like to me, that was the – what is the opposite of apex? Is it nadir? Is that uh, – Ted, you're, you're, the, you're the word guy. Oh, boy. I knew you were going to ask that. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So we'll call sure. that – Sure. That's sure, that's so, it. Sure. I think sure. that song <laughs> was, was whatever the opposite of apex is for worship music because it's like – it is it is utterly meaningless, and the entire chorus isn't even words. It's just a syllable, repeated. It's it's insane. And uh, you know what's encouraging though? Like none of this is going to get better in that field. Technically, no, that's speaking. true. It'll only you know get what I mean. Worse. Well, only only if only if radio is the basis of of which these songs are being written for, though, and that's always going to be the problem if that's the case. Boys, so. let me let me throw you uh, one one last thing very quickly to uh, to wrap on, and this this is all I have to add to the worship song thing. But uh, many years ago, uh, I went to a church that's now uh, pastored by a famous person. Uh, it doesn't; it's not important who it is. Um, but this church, uh, we were we were like right next to a college campus, right? So we had a little bit of diversity in our body, although not much. Uh, we had like one Spanish speaking guy, right? And he, he was bilingual, you know, he was probably like a, a PhD in, uh, in, in, you know, like crop and soil sciences or whatever. I mean, from, from across the street. <laughs> and, and so we had this one worship song and we would sing it in Spanish and they would, they would roll it out like once a month and we would, we would all look up on the screen and the, 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 uh, the words would be there in Spanish. We'd sing through the whole thing in Spanish. Um, <laughs> my question to you is yes or no, stupid or not stupid. Uh, uh, yes, stupid. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Big R. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, Big T. I'm I'm really surprised that ex famous pastor guy like d- did it in Spanish like that. I mean, that that's actually that's the part that I'm kind of stuck in my head right now. Dude, I think maybe that, he phased it out eventually, man. I, I feel like this is a long time ago. Not, was it just pressure from the the Spanish speaking gentleman in the congregation? Is that? <laughs> I don't think it was. was. I don't think that guy. I, I don't think it meant a dang thing to that guy. No, is what dude, I'm getting at. You know what I mean? Like it's the if reason, anything was patronizing to him. Yeah, worship That's pastors what I mean. don't was, do this because there's a, a person in the congregation who speaks the language. When I was growing up, our church would sing like one song a Sunday in like Swahili, or yeah. or or like. <clears throat> Just some language that represented a people group that we had a missionary at, but none of them were at our church. And so, like, right. it's, 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 it's essentially gibberish phrases on it's the screen. gibberish phrases on screen that to, mean nothing. To a bunch, to of, Scandin- to a bunch of Scandinavians. And then you have, like, a bunch of – you have a bunch of Scandinavians on stage, like, playing guitar and piano. And, like, they're trying to clap and sway to the music. And it's, Dude, it's how we assuage our white guilt, man. That's oh, all it is. No, it it's made me feel, like – I Guiltier, I was, yes. I was so offended yeah. by white people in those right. moments. That's how we like, become charismatic. Just, oh. <laughs> 
I was waiting for the Holy Spirit to come down because he would have like, at least then I could have understood the words. Oh True. my gosh. <laughs> yeah. No, I know, man. That's, that's strange. I'm glad we talked about that. Cause that's, it's that's helpful. been bothering me for like a decade. How uh, many Spanish songs are you singing at your new church, Big T? Uh, zero, man. Zero <laughs> as of right now. But oh, you okay. Know. Well, you can only hope. I mean, you don't don't give up hope, dude. You, you know, know what we I, do though? We sing for like like an hour, no joke, man. And we stand through the whole thing. Hey, what's your, what's your you guys real quick? What's your take on standing? Like, if you're singing, if your mouth is open and a song is coming out, do you have to be standing in your churches? What what does that look like? What the the expectation at church is? Yes, my personal opinion is that people should be able to, uh, aside from like lying on the floor, kind of take whatever position they're comfortable in. Yeah, but like for us, man, I mean, we we go every verse of every song, and you're standing for the whole thing. And there's usually yeah. like four songs interspersed with uh, we call it middle prayer, in which some uh, like seminary student gets up and like prays through the entire storyline of the Bible. And you're, you're standing for that, too. That's right? why you don't give seminary students microphones. Oh, absolutely not. I agree, Pipe. I, I agree 110% with that. But but all I'm saying is it's a long stand, right? You got to, like, limber your legs up. Sometimes I put a little, uh, you like— can't even, You can't even get any Fitbit steps because you're just standing where yeah. you are. Like that's... I put a little flex all on my knees before I go to church. <laughs> you know, I got I gotta, we, we got an ice machine in the back, man. I, did, I just wrap some ice ice packs on my knees after I get, leave. It's your Dr. Scholl's. So uh, I got to get my Dr. Scholl's. I sit in the hot tub in the training room a little bit for a while after after church, you know, just to limber up again. Uh, you, no, guys the, are, you guys are the guys that just keep me up at night because I'm thinking that's what you're mad about. Like after everything I just said during the sermon and that's the thing well, that no, got here's you. The thing. If, what's, what, no, you want to know what I'm mad about after the sermon is the fact like there's the one there's the song to close out the service and it's like quiet and reflective. And then one person stands up. And yeah. then everybody else is a freaking lemming and just yeah. stands up with them. And I can't be like, I'm sitting here thinking about the sermon. Now I got to uh. – So, Ronnie, sit, the person – the pers- Sit. But, be like the NFL guy, man. Sit. Oh, you know? but, but there then you I'm, go. But then I'm protesting Jesus and, yeah, prob- and probably sermon and uh, and definitely the pastor. So, like – And that is like your the, right. It's like that the trifecta right. of, of protest <laughs> and I would get excommunicated or something. Dude, I'm not mad about it at my church, but you know, you know who did get a little tweaked about it was my parents. Like they came and they were just like, wow, you know, a lot of, a lot of singing, a lot of standing, you know, <laughs> yeah, kind of like, that's funny. yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, boys, we've, uh, we've wandered to and fro uh, as we always do. And uh, till next time, Rachel the Held Evans. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air, they're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.